Good morning, Parkway Church. How y'all doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here with us. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's my privilege each and every week to open the Bible with you so that we can learn and to grow together. We are on a journey through Scripture that is taking us into the book of 2 Peter today. Well, we're going to continue to learn about how God is changing us and how God's change process works in and around and through us. Before I jump into today's talk, though, I do want to let you know some exciting things that are happening in the life of the church. First of all, because of the generosity of one of our members in Port Lavaca, we have a unique opportunity to give to see our building in Port Lavaca built. Right now, there are people worshiping in Port Lavaca. Hello, Parkway Port Lavaca. And they have been worshiping in Port Lavaca now for seven years. We've met at five different locations, and we think it's now time to build a 24-7 home for our church family in Port Lavaca. And clap for that. That's a good celebration moment. And we've had a member of the congregation from Port Lavaca make an offer. They are going to match all giving to the Port Lavaca Building Fund between, he, between now and January 26th. They're going to match up to $130,000 of our generosity. How cool is that? That is so cool. Because here's what I know. I know some of us can give a little, and a little multiplied by two is a lot. And some of us can give a lot, and a lot multiplied by two is a whole lot. And so my prayer and my hope for all of us as a church is that over the next three months, we would just say, God, what's my part in giving so our family in Port Lavaca can have a home? And as we talk to God and he gives us a number that we commit to him, we give it and we see our generosity multiplied. Also, we have reached a deal to sell a portion of the property here at Parkway Victoria. We own 40 acres and we have reached a deal to sell two acres. And this two-acre sale, combined with our multiply giving, will position us to be ready to break ground and ready to move forward with our building in Port Lavaca. And so God's timing, the generous gift, plus the offer on our property here at Salem and Stockbower, his timing, he appears to be opening doors. And so as we as a church, what happens when God opens doors? What happens when God gives us opportunities? We respond by faith and we walk through those doors. Now, as a church family, next Sunday, November 10th, we're going to have a special called business meeting where I'll share all the details of the proposed land sale. And you guys, as members of the church, will get to take a vote on that. And we can authorize our trustees to sell the property with your affirmative vote. And so I just encourage you, as you're part of what God's up to in the life of our church, this next few months is going to be a lot of fun to see how God opens doors, to see how God multiplies generosity, and to see how God enables us to break ground at the corner of 87 and 35 in Port Lavaca. So let's do it together. Will you do it with me, Parkway? All right. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's pray together, and we'll jump in. Father, thanks that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, a month ago, none of us would have expected all of these things to be lining up, and yet here we are an offer to be generous, an offer to buy property and invest a resource in what you're doing, an opportunity for us to break ground and to have our home in Port Lavaca. God, I pray you would continue to help us as a church to walk by faith. And Lord, where we have limited uh, what we're thinking based on our limited thinking, God, would you expand it? Would you help us to see the world as you see the world and help us to be generous as you've been generous with us? 
And God, I pray that you would continue just to confirm that you are opening doors and you're providing a way for our church to multiply its impact as we build in Port Lavaca. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we jump into the Bible today, we're gonna be in 2 Peter chapter three. And in 2 Peter chapter three, if you didn't bring your Bible, no worries, you can use uh, one on your phone. We're gonna put the verses up on the screens as well. But in 2 Peter chapter three, we get to see what God is doing, the big picture of God's activity. There's gonna be a prediction that God makes, and we're gonna jump into that in a second. There's gonna be some promises that God makes in this passage, and we should all say, thank you, God, for the promises that you make. And then God's gonna invite all of us to take our next step. He's gonna invite all of us, in light of what he has predicted, in light of what he's promised, he's gonna invite all of us to take our next step together so that this change process that he's doing eternally would be yours and mine personally today. So let's jump into the Bible together. Here's what the Bible says. 2 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. You remember we studied 1 Peter, and Peter is writing again to the same people, and he says, this is my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Now, we know that 1 Peter was written to a church that was being persecuted. They were paying a price for their faith. And he wanted to remind the church that their authentic faith mattered. And now in his second letter, he's building on that. He says, I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And how is he going to do that? Verse 2. I want to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given to you by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So what Peter's going to do in talking to the church and talking to us today is he's going to look back to the promises of the prophets and the predictions of the prophets, and then he's going to look at the commands of Jesus. And he's going to look and say, how do the words of the past and how do Jesus' words to us shape our lives? And there are going to be four things that we pick out of today's passage. And the, the first one is this. We're going to see God's prediction. God's prediction for what happens in the world from this point forward. And this prediction matters because sometimes you watch the news and sometimes you scroll on your phone and you say, what in the world is going on with our world? When our world doesn't make sense to you and to me, when our world makes you want to rant, when our world makes you want to go off on whatever moral or social issue is just, you look and you say, it doesn't make sense. When our world doesn't make sense. Remember this prediction from God. And this is a prediction that you can take to the bank. The one who created us is making a prediction. The one who knows before anything what will happen in all things. He is making this prediction. And here's the prediction. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. So he says, there's going to come a day when scoffers come. And what do scoffers do? Scoffers scoff. That's what the Bible says, right? Scoffers are going to come scoffing, doing what they want to do in the last days. So we live in the last days. After Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, when the church was formed, the last days began. And now we are here in the midst of these last days for some 2,000 years. 
waiting on the Lord's return and watching what happens in the world around us. And the world around us is predicted to go from bad to worse to worser. And I just invented that word worser because it's worse than we could ever imagine the Bible's prediction of what's going to happen in the world. The secular mindset, the human mindset, says that if we continue to progress, if we continue to grow, there will be this evolution of progression where the world will get better. God's prediction says our world will not get better with the progression of human evolution and evolution of our ability to make things easier and better and smarter for ourselves. Our world will not get better apart from the gift and the grace of God, Jesus Christ. And so we look and we say, we're going to reject that secular mindset that is like a scoffer coming to scoff. And we're going to pick up a scriptural mindset that we learn today. Listen to how the scoffers were scoffing. 2 Peter 3, 4 through 7. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. See, in the human mind, in the secular spirit, you look and you say, where is this Jesus? Nothing's changed. You look back and people are the same as people were from the very beginning of time. Nothing's changed. And so Peter's going to address this idea that that nothing's changed and that God isn't involved in the world and that Jesus isn't returning again. He's going to push in and say, here's the prediction. But they deliberately forget, verse 5, that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. That's the flood. Remember Noah's flood from the book of Genesis? The the earth was judged and judged by water. Verse 7, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. See, what the Bible says here is, here's the prediction. Just as in the past, the world was judged for their sin, there is coming a day when we will be judged again. There is coming a day when the price of sin will have to, like there will be a payment made. There's coming a day when judgment comes. It was once judged by water. It'll never be judged by water again. Remember the promise of the rainbow. But fire will be the tool of judgment in the future. Which means every Christian should believe in global warming. There's the prediction. God is going to judge the world. God's prediction. Things will go from bad to worse to worser. But don't miss it. We look at the past so that we can know what God will do in the future. And he made this prediction that you can take to the bank. But one of the things that I love about all of Scripture, whether you're reading the prophets or you're reading the teachings of Jesus or the letters to the church like we're studying now, anytime there is a warning of judgment, there is also a promise of a way out. And Jesus makes that very same promise to you and to me. And Jesus, before he was crucified, began to prepare his followers for his departure. And what he wanted them to know was that he is going, but he is not gone. He wanted them to know that, yes, there would be a day when the world would be judged again, but he was going to prepare a place for those who believe. As he was preparing his disciples for his departures, he shared these words with them. John 14, 1 through 3. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus makes a promise. He says, if I go, I'm coming again. If I go, I go to prepare a place for you, but I will come to get you. I will come so that you can be with me. And he says, you know the way to the place that I'm going. And Thomas, one of the disciples, raised his hand and he said, Lord, how do we know how to get where you're going? We don't know the way. And in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So the promise is that faith in Christ works. The promise is that life is found in believing in Jesus. The promise is that Jesus is, is not with us today, but will coming for us tomorrow. The promise is, I am going, but I'm not gone. So what has Jesus been doing since he died and was raised again? What has he been doing since he spent 40 days with the believers and then ascended to heaven? What's he been doing? Well, he's been sitting at the right hand of God, our advocate. He's been preparing a place for you and for me, and heaven is our reward. This is God's promise, and we hold on to it. As we jump back to 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, you might ask the question, not in a way that's like scoffing, but in a way that's honest. Well, if Jesus is, is going but not gone, why hasn't he come back for us yet? Why hasn't he returned yet? And for some of us, we've had loved ones who he has returned for. At their death, Jesus came for them. At their passing here on earth, they get to live forever with God in heaven. But why hasn't he come back like clouds in the sky kind of come back? Why hasn't he come back for all of us yet? Well, the Bible answers that. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. But do not forget this one dear thing, friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So we're reminded here that God's timetable is different than your timetable and my timetable. We are excited that we got an extra hour of sleep last night. Unless you're the parent of a preschooler, then you got an extra hour of awake today. There's no gift in daylight savings time going away to the parent of preschoolers. But we got a change in time, and it adjusted back, right? Well, looking at God's timetable, our thousand years are like a day to him. So if Jesus has been gone 2,000 of our years, how long has he been gone in God's timing? Two days. It seems like forever in our world, but in the view of eternity, God says it is a short time. And why is he not returned even in the short time in God's eyes? Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why is Jesus delaying his return? He's delaying his return because he loves the world so much. And he wants men and women and children to believe in him and to find life. He wants men and women and children to turn from sin and to walk with him and follow and obey him as believers. 
He is not slow like he's running late. He's slow because he is so loving. He is not slow because his timing is off. He is slow because his timing is perfect. And he wants to give everyone the chance to believe and to find life. I mean, think about it. What if God came back the day before you believed? What a great loss that would be for you. What a great loss that would be for all of us. So God is not slow because he's wanting to delay. God is slow because he wants everyone to find life. He is never late. He is never early. He is always right on time. And we trust his timing. So we see God's prediction. We know God's promise. And we're warned as we keep reading in 2 Peter 3 verse 10, we're warned of God's judgment. Now, some of you are going to be really taken back because I want to make it crystal clear. God will judge believers. He will not judge us for our sin. Christ has forgiven us of our sins. But he will judge us for the works that we do for him. He will judge us for our faithfulness, for our obedience, for our dependence upon him. He will judge us and he will reward us. He will judge us and he will bless us. He will judge us and some of the things that we built our life on here on earth will be burned up because they didn't matter at all in eternity. God will judge both those who believe and those who have believed. And listen to how it comes. 2 Peter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Those words laid bare means to be uncovered, to know the, the truth behind everything. Every wrong ever done on earth will be fully known when God comes to judge. Every right fully done on earth will be fully known when God comes to judge. And he's going to come, how's he going to come? Like a thief. You know how a thief comes? A thief comes unscheduled. A thief comes without notification. A thief comes when a thief is ready. And this thief that's coming, like a thief in the night, Jesus, he's coming not to steal from you, but he's coming to, to, to judge. He's coming not to steal and to take, but he's coming as for the church to bless according to your righteousness. He's coming to bless according to your faithfulness. He's coming to give you an inheritance based on your works for him after believing. But he's coming like a thief. So we've got to be prepared for the unprepared return of Christ in our world, if you know what I'm saying. I've lived in Victoria for about 17 years. And in my 17 years here in Victoria, my car has been broken into at least 10 times. I know what it's like for a thief to come and to steal and to not be prepared for that coming of a thief. One time when our church was meeting in the mall and we had offices in the mall, I had a geo tracker. I had like a Jeep. It wasn't really a Jeep, it was a geo tracker. That was the joke. <laughs> and I came out to the Jeep one day and my day planner was gone. We used to have day planners instead of phones, and we would keep things written down on paper, and, and, and this was a payday, and so I'd put my paycheck in my day planner. I looked, in the console of my Jeep and the day planner and paycheck were gone, so I called my mom, and I'm like, you'll never believe it. Somebody stole my plan and my money, and she's like, well, Michael, did they cut the top? I said, no, they didn't. Did they break a window? 
no, they didn't. Uh, well, did you leave it unlocked? I said, well, I actually left it with the windows rolled down and the top dropped. So all they had to do was reach in and grab it. And she said, well, I think you're responsible for that thief coming and taking from you. But that's just one. There was one time when Christy and I were just about to get married, and she had a bunch of luggage in the back of the tracker. And again, we were at the mall because we spent most of our time at the mall because that's where our church met and where our offices were. We came out, and somebody had popped the top and stolen all of her luggage and all of her makeup. Oh, my gosh. That was, and we were already broke, broke, so how in the world were we going to replace clothes and makeup? This was bad. There was one time when we had a youth revival here at church, and, and so we took the, the guest out to dinner after a youth revival on a Sunday night. And we pull up here to the parking lot at Salem and Stockbauer Parkway, Victoria, in the back window of Christie's truck. Yeah, my wife used to drive a truck with a toolbox in the back. My dad, it baffled him. How can such a pretty girl drive a truck with a toolbox? I said, Dad, here's the crazy thing. She knows how to work the tools better than I do. But we come up, and the back window is completely broken out, and she, uh, her purse is stolen. What a pain. And so we've had our car broken into one time, living even in a nicer neighborhood. One time, thieves broke into my car, unscheduled, unannounced, and stole my bowling ball. No lie. I'm like, how disappointed were they when they got to the end of their ransacking car night, and they were like, what's in this 16-pound bag? Oh, it's a bowling ball. They got no benefit from that. You know what I do now? So I don't keep anything of value in the Tahoe anymore. And the Tahoe is not really worth anything anymore. And so if a thief wants to come in, they're welcome to. And so you know what I do? When I go to the dentist, I just leave the toothbrush and the toothpaste and the floss in the console, the center console. And so I've got like two years worth of free dental care supplies there in the console, that and an extra bottle of oil. And so we can tell when somebody's ransacked my car because the toothbrushes are all over the place. The kids will come in and go, Dad, I think somebody got in your car last night. How can you tell? Because it looks like you were brushing your teeth. I mean, no lie. That's how it happens. Jesus is going to come like a thief. When you think about someone surprising you, when you think about somebody invading your space when you're not prepared, when you think about somebody coming and there's no return from that coming, when you think about that, he's coming like a thief. There should be this sense of urgency that wells up inside of us to live our lives to honor him. In fact, that's what God's big invitation is through this passage. And you can fill in that last blank. Because we see that God not only gives us a promise, and we see that God not only gives us his prediction, and God says, hey, there's coming judgment from me. But he also gives us an invitation. And this is an invitation to live with, with eternity in mind in everything we do every day. This is that invitation that comes and says, you want to live your life, believer in Jesus Christ, with having as, as little as possible is burned up as loss here on earth. If everything that's done for Jesus is counted as reward in heaven and everything that's done here on earth is burned up and lost if it's not for him, I want to live with as much as possible in my heavenly inheritance and as little as possible being burned up and wasted here. And that's God's invitation. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives 
as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I just read a whole lot right there. But the Bible here says, since you look forward to a day and you know it's coming when judgment is sure, live your lives in such a way that you are living good, holy, godly lives as you wait for his return and as you speed its coming. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know how we can speed his coming. We can speed his coming by telling more and more people about Jesus. If he is slow in coming because he wants none to perish, we can speed his coming by telling more and more people. He will not return until every tribe and every tongue and every nation has had a chance to believe in him and find life. We can speed his coming by telling people about Jesus and by investing in missions around the world so that men, women, and children hear about Christ. As we share shoeboxes this Christmas, that's one of the things that we do is we speed his coming by telling more and more people about Jesus and faith in him and the life that comes by Christ and Christ alone. Next week, our shoeboxes are due. It looks like we're about 400 boxes short of reaching this big, hairy goal that we set as a church. And so if you've got a pickup truck, I invite you to take home 200 boxes, fill them up this week, and everybody bring your boxes back next week. But we look and we say, we want to live good, holy, godly lives, looking forward to the day of his return. Before we finish up with one last verse, I want to show you the big picture of what God has done in your life in in a simple way to see it. Because I would hope that as you look and see that, that Jesus is coming again, and you know that we will be judged, some will be judged for their sin if they're not believers, others as believers will be judged for their works, for the good things they've done for God. As we look ahead and we know there's this prediction and God's invitation, then, then I want to be living for that moment when Jesus returns. I want to be living for that moment when every wrong on earth is made right. I want to be living for that moment when I am made whole and when I am fully known, and I know God fully. I want to be living for that moment. And as you look at your life, how can you be sure that you are? Well, let's look at three points in your life. The first point is this. Has there been a time in your life where you have believed in Jesus for eternal life? This is known as justification. This is where you have believed in Jesus for life, and you have been made right with God forever. Your faith in Jesus has made you right with God. And as we learned a couple of weeks ago, God is shielding your salvation with his power. You have been saved. My day of justification was December 27, 1989. That's the day that I believed in Jesus and found life that no one could take away. Have you had that moment where you have believed in Jesus and found life? That moment where you can say from this point forward, it's just as as if I'd never sinned because Jesus has forgiven me. That's a moment where we are saved. But there's also another moment, another point in time that's coming where we will experience God's salvation again. Not only will we be justified because of our faith, but as we've learned in today's passage, there's coming a day when we will be glorified 
or we will experience glorification because of our faith in Jesus. Because there was a point in my past where I believed in Jesus, there is a point in my future where I will be with him where righteousness dwells. Because I believed in Jesus in my past, there's a point in the future where God will make all things right. There's a a past that's impacting my future. A past decision that's impacting my future. And as you look today in a world that's going from bad to worse to worser, we don't only need to look back and see that we're saved. We need to look ahead and see that God is still saving us. There's a day coming when everything that frustrates us and doesn't make sense, everything that hurts and harms us, everything will be made right. We look at the back, we look back and we say, God, thank you for saving. We look ahead and we say, God, we look forward to you saving us again. What happens in the middle between those two points? Well, because we have been justified and because we will be glorified, what do we do? We work to live good, godly, holy lives. This is known as sanctification. Because I've been made right with God in my past, and because I will live with God in my future, I will live for God in my present. I will live, as the Bible says here, a life that is holy, a life that is godly. I will live here like eternity matters because I have believed in Jesus in my past. See, all three of these things are ways that God saves us. I have been saved because of my faith. God is saving me from my own bad decisions. And God will save me one last time from the judgment and from the pain and from the loss and separation from him. I have been saved, justified. I am being saved, sanctified. I will be saved, glorified. That's the truth of the gospel as we hold on to it today. And here's what I want you to do. You get like extra stars if you can find a way in your lunch conversation to naturally incorporate justification, sanctification, and glorification. So if you're able to like, hey, pass me the chips, I'm justified. Can I get a refill? I'm I'm sanctified by the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood, his blood alone. And you know what? They're going to pay the bill because I am glorified in heaven. (laughs) You can find your way to incorporate it. Let's finish it up. 2 Peter 3, verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, and what is it you're looking forward to? That glorification in heaven with God. Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort. There's that word again from Peter. Change requires effort. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Peter says, because you were looking towards heaven, you set the bar high, believer. Spotless, blameless, at peace with him. Since you don't know when he's going to return, you live your life as holy and godly, being sanctified, set apart for his purposes, right here, right now, today. You look ahead And you live your life based on what you see in your future. See, this is how God works and how God will change us for all eternity. So for some of us, that means we need to say, God, ready or not, I'm I'm ready to change. God, ready or not, I am willing to submit my life to you. God, ready or not, I am willing to say, I'm going to believe in you and find life. God, ready or not, I'm going to follow you and obey you like I never have before, because I want to be ready when you return. 
I want to have an inheritance that's great and rich in heaven. I want a crown that comes from Jesus. You know what I hope to do with the crowns that Jesus gives me? I hope to give them right back to him because he has given so much to us. Friends, as we look ahead, let's live for him today, ready or not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word and to be challenged today. Help us to make decisions now that fall in line with the truth of your word. I want to talk to the church first in this time of commitment. Believer in Jesus, have you been living with an eye on eternity? Living in such a way that your life is storing up inheritance and blessing in heaven? Or have you been living your life in a way that will be lost and judged? In this moment, maybe you just need to look at and say, God, I, I, I need to live for you in this area of my life. Maybe, believer in Jesus, you've been questioning God's timing, wondering when he's going to act. He's slow, he is patient, he is not late. Trust his timing. Maybe, believer in Jesus, you need to be a part of speeding his coming by sharing what God has given you, your testimony and your resources and your prayer for missions around the world. Church, maybe you need to stop looking back at what God has done to save you and start looking at how you can live today making every effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. As the church prays, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, you picked an amazing day to be here. The Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a savior and that Jesus is the savior of the world. And the Lord Jesus who died for you and was raised again from the dead, he invites you to believe in him and to find life. If today's your day to believe, you can mark it with a prayer, you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 